0: Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Adam Pranica.
1: I'm your other host, Benjamin R. Harrison.
0: Ben, I'm having a great day. Yeah? One of the great days, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I'm having a great day myself
1: because I'm down here in Los Angeles, California, at the world headquarters of MaximumFun.org, and uh, they've kindly allowed me to sit in the professional-grade audio recording booth.
0: Oh, man. I really want a professional-grade audio booth instead of a bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> which is where I am right now, yeah, I, maybe you uh, could describe for the viewer uh what maximum fun hQ is like.
1: Well, so their offices is in West Lake, Los Angeles, uh which is immediately abuts uh the MacArthur Park neighborhood and the titular MacArthur Park. So they've got uh, beautiful floor to ceiling windows that wrap mm. around two sides of the building and have fairly spectacular views of MacArthur's park and uh Langer's delicatessen mm. f- further in the distance. Which is, you know, pretty much where I want to be. When you I'm gonna, in LA.
0: Have you already gotten yourself a Langers?
1: Oh yeah. I'm I'm podcasting fueled by Langers.
0: <laughs> That's nice. So, did you walk into Maximum Fun HQ a conquering hero, uh, <laughs> to uh, to flowers thrown at your feet, to back slaps and high fives? I mean,
1: um, I've I've known the the gang here for a long time, so I it's always it's always lovely to come by because it's a it's a good group of people. Everybody here is like really positive and wonderful person.
0: That is the feeling I've gotten every time. I visited, too. They, they're they just the best. Yeah. Good, good feels all around, Adam. And then uh, as soon as you said you were going to record pod from there, they all left. <laughs> they're yeah. like, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: well, what do you say we get into our episode that we came here to record today?
0: Why don't we, uh, Ben, it's season five, episode 21, the perfect
2: mate
0: a lot of people say season five is the best season it's so awesome he got all these all these landmark episodes right i feel like we're in we're in the worst of season five right now
1: yeah it's a uh, it's a back nine that You know, it'd be like if uh, you stepped off the the front nine of Pebble Beach and onto the back nine, and it's like a municipal golf course.
0: (laughs) It's like, what the hell happened? Do you think it's just... uh, Why isn't anybody fixing these divots? Do you think it's like all the good episodes proximity to the bad episodes that make the bad ones look so much worse? Like, is that the deal? Yeah,
1: that could be it. It might be the season that really establishes what... Cheesy Trek is because I I feel like all of the all of the Cheesy Trek humor that happens subsequent to season 5 feels like jokes about season 5 like yeah like like when an episode premise misses in this season it misses by a fucking mile yeah. and when it hits it hits so hard like it's it's like two sides of the bell curve and no middle of the bell curve at all
0: there's a weird sort of sci-fi storytelling inversion going on here, where a lot of the episodes this season involve the study of the crew instead of the crew studying aliens and, and yeah. civilizations and planets and stuff. That doesn't work for me as much as as the exploration element. Yeah. But maybe, maybe, Ben, the deepest exploration is into the human heart.
2: <laughs>
0: oh. oh, yeah?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Adam, let's stop pussyfooting around the issue. The entrepreneur is hosting a reconciliation between two warring planets, the Brium and the Vaultians. No, wait. Creosians and the Valtians. Brium is the ambassador. Right. My notes are confusing.
0: <laughs> they could be anything, though. They could be Who anything cares? and anyone.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're, they're another, like, one-off... Set of aliens that we'll never uh, hear from again. Although I think they stole the design of these aliens for uh, the trill. It's uh, after this, right?
0: Because they're spotted. Yeah, they've got those. Uh, they've
1: got those leopard spots.
0: Yeah, they love those spots so much. They're just spraying them on everyone.
1: Yeah. I mean they look great on the right on the right face, you know.
0: The spots really bring out the symmetry of a classical face. Yeah. It's like the the beauty mark thing, right?
1: Oh yeah. It's the uh it's the salt that brings out the sweet. Sure is. <laughs> so uh the ambassador uh is concerned because he realizes that he left some lithium batteries in his checked luggage. So he's like, nobody should go down to the cargo bay. Let's just not have anybody go down there. How about that?
0: He's got some real Moroccan style of dress. I feel like <laughs> he's got a, he's got a big tall hat. He's called yeah. sort of an older gentleman and he's there to make peace and he's brought a gift. And I think anytime that you're making peace with someone, a gift really helps.
1: Right. Um, this is something that Wesley Crusher does with a boy, chocolate, and Riker does with pea soup. This guy does it with a giant glowing orb.
0: Who wouldn't want that orb? It's like a it's like a giant glassy baby. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves that.
1: Possibly the most obvious head faint of all time uh, occurs when the entrepreneur when the entrepreneur picks up some. Ferengi who had some shuttle problems
0: Bream is not super pumped about his Uber driver making a stop before their final destination <laughs> he, he's like are you serious right now I told you not to take any phone calls and we're stopping at a 7-Eleven
1: I gotta take a dump man <laughs>
0: <laughs> so they pull off and rescue these Ferengi from what can only be described as a crawdad class shuttlecraft <laughs> I wanted to break it in half and suck out the guts.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, it exploded before you got a chance to do that. Yeah.
2: We look forward to enjoying the comforts of your fine ship.
1: I guess they're supposed to have security on them, but for some reason they just are wandering around the ship and they go to the place that the ambassador was very clear about not wanting anybody to go.
2: May I ask that the cargo bay be declared off-limits to all but the most essential personnel? Which
1: makes me wonder what Worf thought they meant when they <laughs> said secure the cargo bay. It's weird. Yeah, it is weird.
0: The Ferengi are always annoying, but I feel like these two guys really take the cake.
1: Yeah, when one of them like piles up a bunch of, you know, barrels full of highly radioactive substances so that he can reach out and touch the Glowing orb Watching him climb up on this On this stack of crap that he's made Is like Just stupendously frustrating
0: For so many reasons I mean One He shouldn't be in there It shouldn't be possible for him to go in there Especially because Briem Specifically asked Picard Look man uh, When I check my bag with you Can you make sure that you like Stick it in the safe and not just in the coat room where any ding-dong can
1: get to it. (laughs) Do you think that Worf was like, well, let me go down and make sure that the cargo bay is secure, and he gets down there and he sees that there is a door closed (laughs) in between the hallway and the cargo bay, and he's like, well, I can't imagine getting through that by myself. So
0: He just sort of claps his hands, my work here is done. (laughs) Yeah. Sort of like the world's most moronic Rube Goldberg project. Like, one of the Ferengi climbs up on top of this thing... What are you doing? ...falls off of it, and then kicks all the barrels into the beams that are holding up this suitcase.
1: Yeah, it's like um, little energy beams. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I guess once, uh, once you know, the the beam is broken by one of these barrels, the thing kind of... It kind of gently lands horizontally, and then the outer casing sort of dissolves, and by this time, a fairly large number of people have shown up in the cargo bay, including the captain and Worf and the ambassador. In place of the former shell is a lovely Famka Jansen with spots all over her temples, and she stands up and she walks up to Captain Picard, And explains to him...
0: I am for you, Ulrikevold. That's a great way to meet anyone, I think. (laughs) Puts a little pep in your step. Feels good to get a compliment. (laughs) It's very disarming.
1: Riker is disgusted, like, right off the bat.
0: (laughs) Right, uh, Frakes does a lot of background acting here. He's in a little bit soft focus, but he is clearly... Doing facial gestures.
1: His character is going through a lot, (laughs) even when he's not speaking. So, the deal with this lady, and, you know, there are lots of varying degrees of disgust expressed to the ambassador about this, but the idea is she is has been, like, bred from birth to be the perfect, like, sexual object for the ambassador from the other side. And, like, by presenting her to him as his future wife, I guess, or just concubine. Yeah. That's going to seal the deal piecewise.
0: To his credit, Uh, Picard is like, what the fuck? Are you serious? (laughs) Like, 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 are we seriously doing this for you? This, like, is
1: like, this is like if you were the captain of Delta Flight 401, you know, f- from JFK to LAX, and you discovered, like, an Eastern European prostitute in the checked baggage. Be
0: like, um, whose is this? I wonder how common <laughs> of an issue this is for cargo ship captains. Like, right, but, how many like, of them know they're transporting slaves? And I think that this,
1: the, like, facile direction that this show takes and going like, oh, it's just a cultural difference. It's okay in their culture for women to be chattel. It's like, it's fucking insane. (laughs) They make a prime directive argument, right? Which is like, well, how prime directive-y are you in the first place if you are taking this person as a peace offering from one culture to another? Like, not at all. You are inherently involving yourself with the natural evolution of these two two cultures. What's
0: unfortunate is they don't even have this conversation in a professional context. Like Beverly and Picard have it over breakfast. They don't even have the goddamn common courtesy to have a McLaughlin group about it and like really hash it out. Issue one.
1: Yeah. Or, or even like, you know, the captain, the captain has breakfast with just Beverly. Like sometimes he invites everybody to breakfast for these.
0: Right. Ever since the Riker eggs incident uh <laughs> no one wants to have breakfast with Riker anymore. <laughs> you gotta get on that Picard breakfast list. Get those croissants. Yeah.
1: You gotta imagine a French man doesn't doesn't mess around with bad croissants. I, bet I not. had I had some pretty pretty crap croissant uh, <laughs> this morning to be quite honest, Adam.
0: Were they airport croissant?
1: I got the uh, jalapeno cheese croissant at the coffee bean and tea leaf.
0: That's an abomination.
1: Seemed like the least worst thing that they had to eat.
0: Yeah, yeah. I do like a coffee bean and tea leaf. Hey, there's our third free one. <laughs> they have a nice iced coffee. But God, I like really the do. pebble ice. The pebble
1: ice is great. My like of their iced coffee is ninety percent about the ice that's in
0: it. The pebble and ice is real good. And why doesn't it get stuck in the straw? It seems like it should get stuck.
1: It's well engineered, Adam. Yeah. I looked into getting one of those machines one time. Oh. $1,500 minimum.
0: Minimum? But, where, where does it go up to?
1: Oh, you can spend as much as you want on an ice <laughs> machine. I'm not kidding. Like <laughs> Ice is one of those things where like, like, there is a Japanese company that will sell you an ice machine for $1 million. I promise.
0: Oh, God. I bet that Japanese pebble ice is so great.
1: <laughs> my, uh, my wife said that uh, if we move to Los Angeles, I'm allowed to get a pebble ice machine. I'm holding her to it, Adam.
0: Well, now that it's been put on the pod, it's etched in stone as a deal.
1: <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the fun and games in this episode. <laughs> the The deal is, Famke Jansen is, like, A, redonkulously good-looking, so it's already, like, distracting having her around, but she's also got this telepathic ability that makes her turn into whatever the sexual fantasy is of whatever man she's in the presence of. And so there are all these all these scenes in the in the episode where she's with a different set of dudes and has a very different personality. And it's actually like like for all of the like horribleness that is the premise of this episode, I think Famke Jensen does a pretty awesome job of like playing this part. Cuz because she gets to, like, do a lot of different kinds of acting.
0: Yeah. And, you know, on the page, it looks like it could skew into cartoonish. But it really reminded me of, like, what it's like to date a flirt. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, her flirtation game is so tight that, <laughs> that you just walk her around a room and everyone loves her. They can't help but fall for her.
1: Yeah. She's uh, she's just got a magnetic personality, Adam. Yeah. So like Riker shows her to the quarters that she'll be staying in.
0: Does the whole "here's the replicator" thing that he's yeah. going for?
1: And she like puts she's like putting the moves on Riker, like in in a way that I think that we know Riker would never do with somebody else. Like he's got to he's got to he's got to know for sure that they're in, and she's like planting surprise kisses on him. I'm beginning to sense the elevated pheromones you were referring to. I, I think we have some evidence that this has. An effect on Riker, (laughs) though he is able to ultimately resist, because when he walks out of the room, he, like, radios up to the bridge that... You need me, I'll be in holodeck four. And then that's never mentioned again.
0: (laughs) He needs to go for a cold shower in the mineral baths of Blue Balls (laughs) 2. He backs out of the room and into the corridor and they only shoot him from like mid chest to head. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, yeah. It's so, very so hard to hide, hide a boner in that uniform.
0: <laughs> he's totally rocking a charger. <laughs> <laughs> the spandex can't contain it. Yeah. Let's just let's just say
1: if the Ferengi need another shuttle, we've got a rocket ship ready to go. <laughs> yeah. It is a I guess because Kamala, who is uh, the Famke Janssen character, has been resuscitated, she is she's kind of like both a liability, but also potentially a big help because there's a lot of work to be done in preparation for the the big event where she is uh, summarily handed off to the guy that she's gonna becomes the concubine of and she's like really eager to help and i think that that eagerness may come from just being around picard and like i guess her imagining that that would be a way to ingratiate herself to him this is it's just such a it's like a it's like a bad porno script you know it's like like this woman wants to be the sexual fantasy of every guy she meets here are five fairly disconnected scenes about that.
0: It's hard to look at it as anything besides that, but they really do their best to class it up, you know? Like <laughs> like she's a she's a diplomat. Her powers are are known as empathic metamorphoses, you know? Like <laughs> like she's given sort of a scientific terminology. Yeah. Like it's a strange depiction of codependency, right? Yeah. Like because uh, she has an interesting scene with Picard in the ready room, where where Picard's sort of getting the core of her deal. He's not super happy that she's being locked in her quarters. Like I guess that's the thing that really bugs Picard. It's not that he's ferrying what will end up being a love slave. It's that uh, I think she should have free range around the ship. <laughs> and as they talk, she's like, "Yeah, I just I'm very attracted to uh, a man of deep passion and conviction like yourself." <laughs> It made me think uh what she might feel for a man of special conscience <laughs> In a storyline that only a doubt could love.
2: In in many ways the the Creosians have achieved a version of a real doll <laughs> that surpasses even my own work.
0: It's really a Coke versus Pepsi decision for real doll customers. And I will admit
2: that if you can look past the human rights implications (laughs) of their product, it is an excellent piece of competition in the marketplace. But my point of difference that I offer is that my real dolls are true dolls and they don't have any free will.
0: All of the disgusting sex acts without any of the Haunting ethical violations that one might feel (laughs) (laughs) as a result.
2: Uxbridge Real Dolls. (laughs) For real doll consumers with special consciences.
1: (laughs) You know, Adam, it also made me wonder what uh, a certain other captain might think about this.
0: You see, you don't need to throw yourself at me, I'll just give you a drink. You know, Ben, as we enter pledge drive season for our show, it's important to play the hits, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, I think I think Picosby is uh, is we're re- well rid of him as a as a repeat character. <laughs> it's true. It really strains my voice, and it's also awful to think about him.
0: Yeah, glad it's your job and not mine. <laughs> so. Uh, uh,
1: so they, they, give, uh, they give Kamala a, a uh, like, a, a chaperone for the rest of her time on the ship. And uh, they give her a chaperone that is fully functional and programmed in multiple techniques, Adam. I would be pleased to escort you around the ship. Data is the one man around whom she can, like, truly be herself in a weird way.
0: Yeah, and it's a weird interplay between them, and especially when you see them together as they go out and tour the ship... Mm-hmm. and she flirts with everyone that they meet and does not do that with him, it's got to make him a little sad, right? To the degree that he can feel sadness.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely, like, being friend-zoned in a in a
2: pretty mm-hmm. cruel way.
0: <laughs> One of the scenes uh, that illustrates this is uh, he walks her in a 10 forward, and Riker, like... Just about knocks over a glass table with his boner getting out of there. <laughs> He's having a. I just jerked it on the holodeck style orange juice with Worf and then pieces out. Yeah, and, uh, it, it,
1: she starts like palling around. They've. The other like group of randos on the ship is uh, they rescued some loaf miners from a nearby planet.
0: The loaf miners of Manwich 2. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's it's like a weird, like, oh, I never really thought of Ten Forward as being like a white-collar hang, but these blue-collar guys are in it, and it is.
0: It's fun to see some knock-around guys in Ten Forward. I don't know. Yeah. Like it, it I'm into it, feel it for like sure. It makes it feel like a lived-in bar in a way.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, that's something you look for in a bar, right? Like, I don't want to go to a bar where a bunch of yuppies hang out only like i want like i want people from lots of different lifestyles to be there
0: all kinds of drinks all kinds of lifestyles you got your refractory period cocktails for Riker. you got your (laughs) your special friend and confidant prune juice for wharf i don't know it's a drink for every temperament i don't know what these miners are drinking they're probably drinking worcestershire sauce right He's I think mining. that they
1: I think they say what they're drinking and she was she like wants in. She's like give me one of those too and another round for everybody. Ordering a round in 10 Forward is a real it is it is played like it's as exciting as it would be in a bar. If I was in a bar and somebody walked in and said a round for the house and I was getting a free drink out of the deal, I would be genuinely excited. It never happens.
0: Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen it in real life.
1: I mean, I've gotten a round for some buds. Sure. But I've never gotten a round for the house.
0: The house is just a whole nother scale.
1: I don't got it like that, Adam.
0: There's that bell at most bars that that is like the announcement for round for the house. I've never seen that bell rung.
1: Yeah, it's dusty. Yeah. The only time I ever break that bell out is when they're uh, handing down a judgment in a naval court-martial <laughs>
0: Data is, like, sort of hip to what's happening almost a second too late. The miners are like, hey, Data, why don't you beat it so we can uh, do body shots off of Kamala? And she's like, yeah, line them up. And Data starts walking out of frame, and he's like, oh, shit, that's right. I'm supposed to be protecting this girl. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's definitely, um, he's too too nice to, to know what's going on. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, often the plight of the friend zoned.
0: He, you know what, you often forget that he's fully functional and first in a variety of techniques. Yeah, and but he is, just doesn't
1: know how to provide that kind of exciting danger element.
0: Yeah, like, he can only provide the physical aspect. He, he's not hip to social cues.
1: No. I think they narrowly avoid turning this into a a real catastrophe. Uh, and I think that like Worf has to break it up.
2: Is there a problem here? No, sir.
1: He's he's like essentially eighty sixth Kamala and Data from ten forward. Yeah. When when she turns around and starts doing like Klingon uh, mating growl at him.
0: Oh. Yeah. <laughs>
1: this is like one of those moments where I was like, oh yeah, Worf has a lot of self control. And it's been like a part of his character from season one, you know. Like, he's talked about this from jump that like he has a very different set of expectations about what you know what behavior should be like. So his his uh, his enemy is like the the forces within him that would make him work against proper behavior on a ship like this. And uh, he gives he gives her a little growl. But then he turns around.
0: It's not unlike uh the growl that one gives to tell Stovacor that a warrior is coming. <laughs> this is like a, a quieter growl to tell your special lady that you'd like to come.
2: <laughs>
0: Back as promised, Ben, we're here to talk about Max Fun Drive twenty seventeen.
1: The greatest Max Fun Drive.
0: That's right. <laughs> I think I think it's time it's time that our viewers sent a powerful message to the overlords at the <laughs> Maximum Fund Network that we're not a joke. We're here to be taken seriously, and our viewers are are willing to support the production of our show on an ongoing basis.
1: Right. We'll be finishing our review of The Next Generation this year, but we've got big stuff in our mind for what's next for us. And, uh, and if you want to put some wind in our sails for those future things, now is the time to do it. And uh, if, you, uh, if you join at the $5 per month level, you're already getting great content from us, um, and that is our San Francisco live show which was a real fun one to record.
0: Yeah, maybe the best live show we did, because uh, that was the last live show we did <laughs> Yeah, uh, at the end of our tour. Yeah. We, were, we were road-grizzled,
1: <laughs> well-practiced. We had been on stage three entire times at that point.
0: Yeah, yeah, you can hear the quality.
1: The freebies don't stop there, though, Adam, because there is this crazy cache of... Maximum Fun podcasts available at the $5 per month level that are only available to donors. There's a donor feed, and the second you start donating to Maximum Fun, you get access to this thing. It's basically hours and hours of great content that's been produced by all the Max Fun shows over the year. And uh, it's, it's one of my favorite parts of the Max Fun drive, honestly. That's the $5 a month level. Let's talk about the $10 a month level, which is Pretty awesome, because uh, you get a Drive-exclusive enamel pin, and you get to pick your favorite Max Fun Show. So, I mean, you don't have to pick ours, but when you see the one that artist Megan Lynn Cott created for The Greatest Generation, I think you're going to want it. It is an official Dustbuster Club enamel pin, like you would put on your lapel.
0: When the network was telling us that they were going to create a custom prize for our show and then didn't write back to discuss what that would be, I got to admit, like, I was a little nervous about, about what form it would take. But then we saw the picture of this pin, and they made a pin about something that we talk about. It's not just title of show and a couple of pictures of us. Like, it's an inside joke from the show. It's super fun. Yeah. I love it.
1: If you see somebody walking around with this pin on... Give them a high
0: five from your friends Ben and Adam. They're in the gang if they're wearing the pin. You know,
1: and that's that's something to talk about, Adam. I mean, we uh, work very hard to make this show and make these, make these jokes that come up over and over again. And, uh, you know, like, it's really fun for us, but it is also a ton of work. So, I mean, like, just seeing this pin just made it feel like that work pays off in some way. And, like, getting to see somebody out in the wild wearing this and knowing that they're <laughs> helping,
0: helping us make this thing is, uh, is going to be a real thrill. Ben, at $20 a month, supporters of our show get the Keep in Touch kit. It's nine custom-made note cards plus envelopes. And these are, uh, these are designs designed by Sonny D. Fernandez, a guy, uh, a guy you might be familiar with as the laugh track to the show Jordan Jesse Go. <laughs> uh, you, get, you get a four-color rocket pen, a getting-there rocket stamp, and a rocket-shaped candle, which I'm being told smells like a freshly sharpened pencil, mm. friendship, and a bit of wax, because it's a candle. Yeah. Uh, it's meant to inspire you and in your correspondences when you write to your friends telling them about all your favorite podcasts on Maximum Fun.
1: The $35 a month level clocks in with these amazing beer mugs. This is uh this is what you're gonna want to drink your podcast fluid out of from uh from now going forward, Adam.
0: Yeah, these are these are large German beerstein looking glasses. They look awesome, and they're emblazoned with the rocket ship logo of the mighty Maximum Fun Network.
1: Yeah, go re- real nice on the shelf next to your uh, Shimoda Bar and Grill glass. Um, of course, there's the hundred dollar per month uh, level, which is the inner circle. And that's the monthly culture club. And then at the $200 a month level, you get your free tickets to MaxFunCon 2018. And the best part of all of this stuff is, Adam, these levels are cumulative. So if you go for $35 a month, you get everything from the $20 a month level, the 10 the 5 You get it all.
0: The whole package is yours, including the warm and fuzzy feeling of supporting your favorite max fun shows all shows everywhere the network
1: is making a big push a very ambitious and scary push to (laughs) uh, to get to 10,000 new and upgrading donors if you want to help us out that would be
0: really amazing 10,000 new and upgrading members of the show Ben that's like that's like a small fraction of our audience right now we could do that alone I hope we get as many greatest gen listeners as possible contributing during max fund drive
1: it it would help all that skepticism that we get around the other hosts of other shows that are less embarrassing than ours right (laughs) so uh go to maximumfund.org slash donate right now this is the time this is the place don't wait do it now
0: if you've been thinking about it don't think about it anymore now's the time for action
1: now back to the show The ambassador gets uh, summoned by the Ferengi, who claim that they are there to like make some some ancillary offer in the peace negotiation. Something about you know providing freight transport between the two planets, or you know serving as some kind of trading attaché uh, or whatever. But they summon the ambassador down, and he. And he comes down, and and uh, he's got, like, a bunch of gold coins in his hand. He's like, nice try. This isn't nearly enough money to bribe me.
0: Everyone knows chocolate coins fucking suck. <laughs> they taste like garbage. Even the dark chocolate ones are just not that good. Yeah, he just sort of flings them on the ground. <laughs> he's like, I'm insulted that you would think that I would exchange Kamala for these chocolate coins. Forget it. Give, give Worf
1: some of these chocolate coins. He's going to love it. He's going to get out his dreidel...
0: They do, they do some, like, shot, reverse shot, shot of glass table here as the, as yeah. the, uh, as the tension builds.
1: Yeah, the, the, the glass table is, is, uh, is really the fourth character in this scene. <laughs> it's like, hey,
2: what's up? Hey,
1: hey, I'm over here in the corner. What's up? What's up?
0: Finally, the glass table gets to be on the show, realizing its dream from the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Little this does is... it know.
1: <laughs> I think that the real issue here is you should just never let Ferengi and a glass table be in the same room at the same time.
0: I think these glass tables need to unionize. <laughs> I don't think it's right what they're doing to all these glass tables. Mm-hmm. Glass table local number five forty
1: one. Yeah. They they uh show up outside the uh Outside the Enterprise, and inflate a giant glass rat.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Everybody driving by honks.
0: Ever seen a glass table with a picket sign? <laughs>
1: yeah. I
0: I guess you fit that picket sign in a glass table pretty easily because cause most glass tables have that little hole for the outside umbrella. Oh yeah, that's Stick a good that point. That picket sign right in there.
1: Yeah, and then like a uh, like a wrought iron table tries to tries to go in the door. And they're like,
0: scab! Fuck you, scab! <laughs> yeah. I feel like a lot of people out there have been wondering why we haven't been so impassioned about joining the Star Trek Writers Room. Uh-huh. It's, it's because we have... We've, we've we shared all of our good ideas up to now. Now we're world-building a union of glass tables. <laughs> That's uh, all we got left.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, so the ambassador tries to, tries to get out of this boring conversation, and the <laughs> Frankie are grabbing on him. They, they like don't understand that no means no. They, they pull him back. He trips. He goes down right through the glass table, and he's like six bay, six bay bound.
0: There's a lot of rugged pieces of glass on this table. It, looks like one of the glass table falls that looks especially dangerous and bad because they're sticking up
1: mm-hmm. when he's in six bay they get his hat off and it's like oh he's just a normal guy
0: yeah the <laughs> whole time i was like oh god that hat must be covering some crazy loaf nope <laughs> no just old norm- man brow normal guy
1: with spots <laughs> which like kind of read as liver spots because he's so old
0: Briem was supposed to sort of conduct the ceremony he was supposed to be like the docent for domestic history Between the two worlds mm-hmm. And with this guy out of the way Like Picard's sort of the only Qualified guy to, to Do peace for these two people And that's a problem because he doesn't know how Right and
1: um, The only person that can provide that Information happens to be A woman that he has been Pretty studiously avoiding this entire Time Yeah, And uh, that is none other than Kamala
0: card's like there's only one thing i can do to bring peace between two worlds and that's learn to play the marimba <laughs>
1: yeah so uh do you think that he's partly just do you think he's partly just intimidated by her because she has so much volume <laughs> <laughs> she's like bride of frankenstein level volume in this episode adam
0: she's got great hair maybe maybe the best hair we've seen in a long time yeah I feel like in season one or two, they would have blown it with this hair. They would have gotten too voluminous. Right, they would have
1: put, like, pieces of foil in it or something.
0: Yeah, they would have tacked a bunch of ribbons on yeah. it. Like, they they have the good sense to just sort of blow it out, but not blow it out too big.
1: Mm-hmm. So she's teaching a marimba. But they're like, they've got this, like, this special temple place in the, in the holodeck where they're going to they're going to hold the ceremony, and it's like a reproduction of some historic place. And they're he's she's walking him through all the different parts of the ceremony. It's like a you know, it's like a rocky m- montage se- sequence where Picard <laughs> is getting ready to fight.
0: Instead of doing one armed push ups, he's playing mallet instruments.
1: Yeah, and like it's it's. Uh, Perhaps the most offensive part of the episode because it's, like, more and more uh, him just normalizing the reason that she is there and the the, uh, the function that she serves. And I mean, like, I think that this episode really, like, ties itself in circles trying to get out of this being what it is, you know? Like She's always going like, no, this is what I want to do. This is my only function in life. And uh, and and yet like she is a female character that is 100% defined by the man that she will wind up with. And we meet this When's guy now. Where is
0: the dissenting opinion Like from one of the crew members? That's what the story was missing, the one dissenter. Well, like, and I don't think Beverly counts. They give,
1: yeah, they give a very like brief amount of pushback from the doctor. And I think that, I think Frakes like puts it in, in, you know, in his way outside of the script. But uh, yeah, they didn't, they didn't write a character in to say, uh, Hey, how about we not in like tacitly endorse human trafficking
0: (laughs) by taking this woman to this guy? You want to know how we can save a character's life, Ben? What if Jordy was the dissenting opinion?
1: That would have been amazing.
0: He turns a major corner with that.
1: He could have been like, hey guys, I've learned a lot over the last couple years.
0: (laughs) I'm ready to not be a monster anymore. (laughs) So, we finally meet the arranged groom. And he is like ginger billy crystal (laughs) and it sort of has to be right like you you know the build-up to meeting this guy has got to be like it must mean someone wrong for her right that's how the math has to has to pencil out here and that is the payoff that we expect and that's the payoff that we get this guy is interested in doing business and he's He's barely interested in the idea that he's about to be given this great gift, I guess.
2: She's looking forward to meeting you.
1: But I've got my country's 500th anniversary to plan, my wedding to arrange, my wife to murder, and Gilda to frame for it. I'm swamped. And like that's like, I think also another attempt at putting a beard on this very misogynistic episode, like, oh, like I'm, I'm not all about human trafficking shit i'm i'm just i'm just here to like make sure that the peace is achieved
0: yeah i mean it's funny to think about whether or not that makes him better or worse for this whole thing like mm-hmm. by having him not be overly enthusiastic to be given a woman like does that does that make him quote unquote better than it would be if he was like oh my god i can't wait to get this real doll it's going to be killer
2: <laughs> just 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 before you commit, Sir, <laughs> I, I would I would like you to do a little bit of a comparison shop. And I know that they have beat me to market in in a lot of key functionality, but the Xbridge model is now uh, perfectly uh, in in line from a feature set standpoint with the Creosian real doll, and it does not have any ethical concerns because it's a totally manufactured product.
0: What can I say to put you in a real deal today?
2: I, I'm i even willing to throw in the clear coat for free. <laughs> I, I Obviously, I have to run that by my manager, I, I, but I would really like to do that for you. You seem like a really good guy.
0: It's interesting, the gymnastics they do with this character, to, to just sort of walk you up to the line of hating him. But... Not overtly creating a hateable character, but instead just a hateable scenario. I am the cutest of all.
2: There are four lights.
1: And so we have this, you know, the the lead up to the ceremony, and Kamala is in like what can only be described as a space wedding dress. And uh she confesses this thing to Picard that's you know, meant to is meant to play for tragedy, which is that she she's been you know going through this biological process of of being a sex pot to everybody she meets and ultimately like that has to imprint on one particular person so that she's not just a total handful of a wife am I right Adam? <laughs> <laughs> Give me a break! You leave her alone for five minutes and she's cheating on you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she's imprinted not on Ulrich, the Valtian ambassador, but on Picard.
0: Isn't it strange that the most significant timeline to the whole story is the moment that she imprints on the person's, person she's with? Like, there is a countdown to this. We are told there is a countdown to when this, this uh, diplomatic mission needs to take place. That's the whole reason Picard has to do it with Brienne uh, in Six Bay. Like, we got to get this done so she can meet Ginger Billy Crystal so she can imprint on him and no one else. And from then on, we never know what the deadline is.
1: Yeah, they should have put a little ticker in the corner and just counting it down. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, I guess the idea is that it's just, like, a biological function, right? Like, you know, like... You never know when you're going to get your period, and then you just are, you know, riding a bike somewhere, and you're like, give me a fucking break!
0: I sort of saw it as a little bit manipulative. Oh, absolutely. I think she wanted to fall in love with Picard. I think Picard was her ideal mate, and she saw a way out of an arranged marriage by, by flipping the switch on imprinting with him and not telling anyone that it was about to happen.
1: But she knows that she has to go do it. Like, she's not asking Picard for a way out. Like, I think if she... she? No, she's saying, like, I have to go be with this guy now, and I can do it, but I'm always going to love you.
0: You said something pretty interesting about the end of this episode. So, like, Picard sort of acts as father of the bride, walks her down the aisle to Ginger Billy Crystal. (laughs) She says her line about, you're my boy, Ginger Billy Crystal. And then they, and then they kiss and then they're, they're linked forever. And then it's the, it's the ISO in on Picard's very sad face. And then that's, that's the tragedy. And I use that word because that's the word that you used. Was this an effective tragedy for this character?
1: I mean, like it is a tragedy in the most trite way possible, which is Picard didn't get the beautiful woman as prize.
0: Picard is uh, is very unlucky in love, isn't he? All the women that he's fallen for on the show have been extremely detached and unwilling to or just uninterested in having a relationship with him. He's never made it work with anyone. The one woman that he's especially close to is still at arm's reach in Beverly. Mm-hmm. Like it it rang us a little bit tragic to me, as sincerely tragic in that, you know, like here is Right or wrong, for for how this woman is is constructed as a person, like a perfect person for Picard, a mathematically per- perfect person for him, and yeah. she's and like Vosh
1: if Vosh wasn't... wasn't amoral,
0: right? Yeah, exactly. And so I saw some tragedy in that. If you can somehow stomach <laughs> <laughs> how she's constructed as a as a person and her reason for being. You know, you can't stop her from existing, but if she's going to have a great life, being with Picard is probably the way that happens, right? And so there's a form of tragedy, too, in her being with someone who will never appreciate her the way that Picard would. Like, is there something ethical about that? Like, is there an ethics in the idea that wanting her to be with Picard, because that is the best possible uh, consequence for her terrible position...
1: I don't know. I mean, it's just such an absurd premise from, from the beginning that you have to like rely on too many, uh, too many absurd givens to get to an ethical yeah. uh, upshot with this.
0: Yeah, I, I can't wait to not read all the comments about how I'm pro-female sex slave <laughs> when this episode drops. So <laughs> good job.
1: The the captain walks the ambassador to the transporter room. The trans, the, uh, the ambassador's like, hey, you fucked her, right? <laughs> Did you fuck her? You could tell me. You fuck her? And Picard's like, yeah, have a good trip, buddy.
0: <laughs> it's a weird moment. <laughs> Briam has been super professional throughout. It's a weird moment for him to just drop the veil and go like, Brother, they, uh, they attached me to this assignment because uh, I'm an old man and I have no more lead in the pencil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You seem like a, a comparatively younger man to me. How did you resist her? Picard sort of does that pivot the way he does in the episode with Riker and the androgynous uh, person that he's attracted to. Like, he, he answers by not answering.
1: Right, did you like this episode, Adam?
0: Man, I really don't know. I, I was affected by what happened at the end, both, both the sadness for Kamala's life and, and the sadness for Picard, like in just sort of witnessing a tragedy happen in front of him. Like, yeah. that sucked. The cartoonishness of the Ferengi are awful. That's an unforgivable sin for a end of season five episode. That's supposed to be a great season. Like, how are you writing Ferengi that way in season five? Give me a break.
2: Yeah, it's pretty rough.
0: I don't know. I I guess that's my answer. I don't know if I like this episode.
1: Uh, I will come down firmly on the side of not liking this episode. I think it's a turkey.
0: I really thought I would. I I remember Famke Jansen being awesome and it's not her fault. She's great in this episode.
1: She totally is. She totally she chews like some makes scenery. Th- yeah, she makes the case for being a really successful movie star after this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Good job by her. You get to see Patrick Stewart really chew up some scenes with a future movie star too. Like they really elevate each other's game in a fun way. Yeah. Dar-Mock, Angela, and Tanaga. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, What do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace,
1: Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly, incredibly fascinating.
2: Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app.
0: And at maximumfun.org. Uh hey Ben. Uh what's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk
1: Shimoda! Shimoda! I did. I gotta give it to Kamala. There's a line in that scene where she's uh, walking Picard through the playing of the of the uh, of the vibraphone or whatever it is, and uh, he's like telling her like, "Oh yeah, I, you know, I used to I used to play guitar when I was a kid, but I hated practicing, so I stopped." Uh, did you ever learn an instrument? She's like, "Yeah, I learned all of them," and uh, it got, it it really reminded me of that time Katie Couric asked Sarah Palin what newspapers she read (laughs) i couldn't tell if she was being truthful yeah oh no i learned all instruments or she was like uh um yeah no i know all of them
0: (laughs) all instruments everywhere (laughs) that is a shit ton of instruments man i know this is space man like this is like every culture's instruments you know them she's like uh she's like a musical polymath it's it could be the greatest tragedy of her life as not being in an arranged marriage is that that is that she doesn't join a great band.
1: Yeah. She should be in a super group, Adam.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Who's your Trage- Shimoda?
0: It's hard for me to give my Shimoda no pun intended. To anyone else besides Riker. Like <laughs> he is the guy who is willing to experience her sexuality in the most cartoonish way possible. <laughs> like he is the perfect foil for her. Yeah. Like He gets seduced by her. He has to go take a cold shower afterwards. Like, you've had that conversation with a buddy, right? You're in a bar talking about a girl, and then that girl walks in, and (laughs) then your buddy has to just fucking leave. (laughs) Like, there's the idea that, like, sometimes the troubles of, like... The future seemed like total sci fi fantasy, and then other times they are very human contemporary troubles that these characters have, and that just seemed like (laughs) super, really now, you know? He's just got
1: to have rubbed his crank raw in these couple of days.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's why he's swinging his leg over the chair. It's the chafing. Uh, what do we have coming up for the next episode
1: the next episode is season 5 episode 22 imaginary friend a little girl's imaginary friend becomes a frightening reality for the crew when she threatens to destroy the entrepreneur do you remember this episode Adam
0: how many times do we have to see that fucking elementary school set
1: (laughs) yeah they built it so gotta use it (laughs)
0: Yeah, I remember this episode. I remember it being a real dog. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I'm not really looking forward to it, and unfortunately, we have no vetoes. Um, yeah. I don't know if this one would have been a veto for me, because I think that this one's going to be like funny bad, but mm. I don't know. I guess we'll have to see.
0: I'm always thinking episodes where people get taken over by things make them deep voice aliens <laughs> is the girl a deep voice alien I can't remember I don't know it seems like a frequent consequence to to having your body taken over get that great big deep voice yeah. hmm I guess we'll find out that's gonna be the next episode Adam Ben we usually use the the end of our episodes to uh, to thank a variety of people and I think it's appropriate during a pledge drive episode to thank our legion of viewers who have supported us along the way and especially now during the pledge drive right you know
1: the the folks at max fun uh, have uh, on multiple on multiple occasions said that they were really impressed with the level uh, at which our viewers supported the show before we ever did a max fun drive it's not it's not normal for as many people to have uh, Made the proactive choice outside of a fun drive to uh, to support. So we have a we have a very special debt of gratitude to pay to, to those people because they uh, really gave us a an air of legitimacy and really helped us through our first year of making this show. And uh, the the idea that um, a bunch of people are going to add themselves to that list that support the show financially is really touching. I mean, I, I, uh, <laughs> uh today is, uh, a day that maybe people will be aware of. Uh, I, I like screwed something up and I had an, uh, an in, an, a, uh, version of, uh, an episode that wasn't really quite done, uh, show up in people's feeds accidentally for a couple hours and I like scrambled to get it down. But by the time I had gotten it down, it had been downloaded like 2,500 times and i was like really annoyed at myself and then i was like ben it is amazing that 2500 people download anything you make <laughs> so yeah uh it, yeah. you know it made me feel a lot better about uh situation that i was being uh, i was i was really angry at myself over because it was a it was a dumb screw up that i did because i was you know tired and uh distracted and um you know, the, the support that we get for this show is amazing. And I think that the people that listen uh, and support the show know that the money that they're contributing is going directly to us making this the best thing it can be, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've always taken this project as seriously as a job. And I think that shows with just sort of the production value that we put into it. We are going to go on to do more shows after this. I'm positive about it. But this is the only pledge drive that uh, the Greatest Generation in its current form is going to have. So if what we've done on this show has made your day better, your week better, if you see the value that the show has given you on a week-in and week-out basis, we would really appreciate it if you uh, if you let us know that through whatever donation you are comfortable with. Uh, during the pledge yeah.
1: drive, if you uh, if you like to tip a dollar or two for a drink at a bar, think about the uh, the you know money you would spend on a monthly basis as being as being that, and think about you know what uh, w- whether whether what we're doing here is of value to you, and if it is, and uh, you're in a position to support support, you'll get some cool prizes and our undying gratitude. Uh, not to make this any longer than it needs to be, Adam, but we should thank Adam Ragusia and Dark Materia for our music. And uh, once again, everybody that's listening and uh, great folks at MaximumFun.org, thanks all. And with that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and another episode of The Greatest Generation that we wish would just go back to being invisible the way it was supposed to be. Make, 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 make.